Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favour and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this after-lodge banter. Welcome to episode 175 of the After Lodge podcast. And Bruce, where's Nick? Uh, he's at a concert, some kind of pop show. First, 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 he pretended like he had, like there was a lodge. He, yeah, thing he that's had. what I heard. Hey guys, I'm not going to be able to make it tonight. So, I got lodge stuff going on. So I'm over here on the IRC, and I've got all these guys from from Civil, which is where he told us he was going to be. Asking me where where Nick is and why is he doing the show instead of coming to Civil? Did he uh, promise us the secrecy? Because I don't believe he did. Uh, he did not, and uh, it sounds like you're busted, buddy. Did you cross even... reference the uh, current location of Justin Bieber with his whereabouts? Because uh, maybe there's correlation. Maybe. Uh, <sighs> producer Nick is. Hey, where did he say he was going? Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Got it. Mm. Not even a okay. good concert, man. I could see if it was, <laughs> you know, somebody decent, but so singer. All right, without our uh, without our illustrious producer, um, you've already heard uh, worshipful producer Bruce. Good evening, gentlemen. And uh, Cartman is hanging out in the background. I'm here. So, do you ever do you ever watch Hey Arnold back in the day, like the cartoon? Yep. Yes. So you know the guy that always popped up behind Helga Pataki with the heavy, heavy like mouth breathing. <laughs> yes, yes, I know that one. Yeah. Okay. I don't know his name, or I'd be calling you that instead of uh, 
instead of uh, <laughs> and she right. always did like that backhanded fist yeah. to his face yeah. right yeah uh-huh and uh, of course our our special guest for the evening uh the reason why we're all here is uh sir john hessel from the uh, am i supposed to say where you're from and why you're important john yeah, no, you can feel free because everybody in my jurisdiction knows I'm half unhinged already. So, oh, good, good, <laughs> so, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Let's so, see if we can work another half. Is the Grand Generalissimo of the Order of Knights Templar in the good state of Minnesota? So, John, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. So uh, in the in the pre pre show green room whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, besides taking pot shots at Nick Johnson, which that's probably not going to stop anytime soon, um, we were discussing that uh, you are a a way back listener of the After Lodge podcast, like back in the naughty days, right? Yeah, like the the teens and twenties episodes. So. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to explain to him why we're not as much fun as we used to be. And uh, that that Jason and the chicanery that we used to get into is... Sorry to disappoint you, but not, not here this evening. So <laughs> um, There will be no, no tables flipped, at least not by us. And uh, I will not be punctuating my sentences with profanity as much as I want to. And a greatly re- reduced number of vulgarities as well. Just... Yeah, but we're gonna have fun anyway. We're gonna have yeah, fun yeah. in spite of. I'll, I'll do. I'll do my best to have my revel limiter turned on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, uh, Sir Hessel was was brought in uh, or referred to the show by our our one and only uh, uh, Nick, our buddy. Uh, not to be confused with producer Nick. There are too many Nicks. I hope you've you've all got it straight between the last two episodes. Uh. So how how is it you know Nick? Uh, Nick is a member of uh, Fairbow Commandery, which is in my jurisdiction as a grand uh, inspecting officer. But he and I have traveled in similar cir- uh, circles. I live in St. Paul, South St. Paul. Um, so I've I've known of Nick for at least seven years, and I've I've known you know known him well for about five. So we we travel in very similar circles. We've done York Ray presentations together. Um, you know, I basically make fun of them anywhere I go, so that's always that one constant, which is always nice. Um, yeah. Ah, that's that's good fun. So, um, I imagine we're gonna we're gonna talk quite a bit about the about the York Rite uh, this evening, since you know that's that seems to be uh, your big thing. Uh, the problem is we've brought you. So this this is classic Nick Johnson. While we're, while we're making fun of Nick. Uh, let's send the grand poobah of this this large Masonic body to be on the podcast with a bunch of guys, none of whom are members of said body. <laughs> so, uh, awesome. Nick, uh, Nick Harvey, so other Nick, our producer who bailed on us to go watch Justin Bieber, uh, he is really big in the York, right? But uh, you know he's not going to be here to be any help. So. Uh, if we're showing our ignorance or, or asking you to explain things that you would assume we should already know, uh, that's why. Understood. I'm, you know, if we need to transition over to the Scottish Rite, I'm an inactive member there, and oh, I, I also have a fez. I'm also a Shriner. So, oh, I lost a bet. <laughs> so, so we can 
<laughs> I lost the bet. <laughs> Uh, that's a that's a story we will have to get out of you before the night's <laughs> over. Um, we could talk Scottish right all night, but you know that would be kind of silly since I talk about the Scottish right all the time. Uh, that's half of the reason I'm not in the York right is that the Scottish right consumes so much of my time uh, that hopefully that's getting better. Uh, my term as commander of the council at the Scottish right here is ending in December. And I'm going into some kind of quasi-retirement for a little while. So maybe that'll get better. Uh, and then, of course, the other issue, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, is is my issue with the religious exclusions in the commandery. So I, I doubt that I'll ever be stepping foot in there. I may or may not join the local chapter and council. I just haven't really decided. And how I'm going to explain to my wife that I have to pay more dues. So... Yeah, and I I understand not having the time to give to the other rights because that's how I am with I'm hyperly active with Grand Commandery and with my constituent commanderies and that just sponges up all my free time. So you're in good company, just on the other side of the coin. Yeah. So, uh, but however, there are uh, there are some other guys uh, on the show and in the audience who you know may one day consider putting on the pink apron and uh, doing that thing. Uh, which, if you didn't hear that story, uh, that's a pot shot at the other Nick. Who, um, yeah, I've heard briefly, but I didn't want to look yeah. into it because I didn't want to know what the aprons were shaped like. <laughs> and Bruce, you'll be happy to know that uh, my wife is crawling ranger style across the floor right now. Because <laughs> she knows we're, we're recording. She didn't want anybody else to see her. Well, it's because you've like scarred her. Every time she walks by the camera, you, you make like a big scene about it. So If she didn't make such a big deal about it before, I wouldn't have done that. No, she like straight up put on put on the war paint under the eyes and just like started ranger crawling across the floor. Straight up commando. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, she grabbed like the phone charger and, and like the glass of wine or whatever it was she got. And then she's like bear crawling back. I almost, I almost turned the camera, but um, she has an uh, overwhelming fear yes. of the camera, John. And uh, one time, she just kind of happened to walk by in the background, and I made like a huge scene about it. So now yeah. every time she just she won't, she'll either crawl under the camera or go around or something. It's it's, it's fantastic. I see you later. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sorry, I, I got sidetracked by my wife. Ranger crawling across the floor. I don't even know what we were just talking about. Uh, is actually I, what we were. Yeah, I lost track. <laughs> that was like it. It wasn't the 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 disturbance. It was just the. I don't know. I wish you guys could have seen it. Good, good stuff. It, it doesn't seem right for you to wish that, Harlan. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what? Huh? Just might have a point. What are we talking about? No, no. Uh, I need I need Nick to like drive this train since he's not not here. Uh, oh yes, we were. Oh, now she's distracting me with food. Uh, we were talking about why I'm I'm not and well, we we're not in the York we were, right. We and there are other talking about a lack of free time. That's yes, we others who about. may join said right. And oh, Nick's pink aprons uh, because he decided to wash uh-huh. his. Chapter aprons that hadn't been washed in like 50 years. 
and they were all stained up. So he like bleached and oxy cleaned and whatevered them, and then they turned pink. They were all Whoop. pink. Speaking and, uh, of the devil, would you look who it is? Hello, Nick. Nick, I believe you've uh, you've met Sir Hessel. Uh, Nick may not have audio. Nick, who, can you hear us? Who Nick? comes? Who comes on a live streaming podcast now without their stuff in order? Like, yeah. Who, Did you just ask that question about who we're time. talking about? <laughs> have you met the chaplain, <laughs> Pastor? <Yeah. laughs> <sighs> That's good stuff. <laughs> Newsflash. All right. I well, feel, uh, I, I, I feel like he out. still can't hear us, but by the look on his face, I'm guessing he's gathered that we're all talking about him. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's we're like talking about you, buddy. Smiling goofily, but he's not reacting to anything <laughs> we're saying. So everybody, point and laugh. Yeah. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll wait while the millennial Freemason <laughs> gives out his his stuff and uh, carry on. So uh, I did want to bring up uh, a note that uh, other Nick. <laughs> well, bye. <laughs> he, he didn't even say on, goodbye. Nick. Jerk. Uh, His input wasn't valuable. Other anyway. Nick wanted me to be sure to ask about the Class A uniform that are becoming more on, more of an issue. Uh, ask him if there are any plans for allowing the cap and mantle for the Order of the Temple degree, and I presume he means just in Minnesota. Um, I would hope. I would imagine that's what he means because I mean, yeah. It, we have the grand encampment, which is essentially our, you know, our, our SGIG or our, uh, uh, our Ronnie seal, essentially. Um, yep. and we have to be in accord with them. We have to be members with them, uh, due to some past issues between grand encampment and the council of grandmasters. Um, but, what he refers to is there's a few different uniform variants that are allowed by Grand Encampment. Some of the states have adopted all of them. Some haven't. Some pick and choose. In Minnesota, we uh, allow any uniform variant that. Uh oh. Uh oh. We may be having. Nick, what did you do? Connection issues. Nobody can hear you, Nick. And now nobody can hear Sir Hessel. Everything's <laughs> falling apart. Nick Hello? joins and the show goes to sh crap. So I wonder right. if he knows we can't hear him. Uh, well, if he can hear... I think so, because... He just, he just put it on mute. So no, he, he didn't just start oh. like sitting super still like that. Like he, His camera's all frozen up. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's. Uh, can you guys hear me? Was it me? Uh, yes. Yeah, we can hear both of you now. Uh, yeah, John, I don't know what happened. You you cut out for a second there. Yeah, you were oh. talking about uniforms, and then everything just went screwy. I yeah. showed up. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm considered the screw up in Minnesota Templary, so. But I'm, oh, I'm it's very not just nice. Yeah. Right, <laughs> legend in all parts. Up no, so put the zero in the machine. Nanny. So, um, 
John, I'm, I'm not gonna stop doing it. I'm just gonna be doing it in my basement. Uh, so, John, your your connection has has gone like so shoddy. We can't understand anything. All right, I bet you it was me. I'll hang up. Yeah. I mean, what are you guys like sharing a connection or? Well, you see, he's in the other room, and I keep smacking it, saying, "Hey, hey, fix this thing." <laughs> okay, so, that would uh, make a lot more sense. You keep on plugging his router, don't you? Two yeah. guys tethering on one phone. Well, well, you see, internet yeah, is terrible in Minnesota. So, <laughs> oh, oh, right, the whole state shares one 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 Wi-Fi router. I forgot. Pretty much, it's kind of like one of those old telephones, you know, where it's all in a, like a circle. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it sounds like you guys build network infrastructure, like you build bridges. Oh, oh. oh. Damn. Wow. Oh. wow. Oh. I mean, I mean, no, that was that was good. Don't don't be embarrassed about that. <laughs> so, anyway. uh, well, well, I guess John's connection gets sorted out. Uh, how was how was your DMLA practice, Nick? <laughs> DMLA. What's DMLA? Is that some kind of uh, organization that I should know about? Is it uh, yeah, Templar of any was, kind? So I thought that was what uh, what you and John are all like big in, right? Like with the capes and the swords and the, the thing that y'all do. They're like they're like little Templars, right? Very little. Like this big. <laughs> the very little. <laughs> Pocket sized. Uh, there's so many things wrong with all of that. I don't, I don't, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't so, know. So, John, are you, um, you may have some luck if you, like, turn off the video feed if it's a bandwidth issue. Um, Pick me up now, or are we feel a little sketchy? Uh, oh, I can hear you fine. The, okay. the audio was fine. There you go. Yeah. All right, so, back to where we were. Minnesota allows uh, each each commandery to do uniforms and then static. Yes. Uh, Minnesota allows any uniform that the Grand Encampment approves of. So we do allow Captain Mantle for Order of the Temple. Okay. So somebody's going to have to tell me what Captain Mantle actually means because... If that's not the the navy uniform with like crosses on it, then then what 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 is that? The the cap and mantle is the it's a red pillbox velvet cap, similar to the shape of your kitty stage. Um, a white thing if you're uh, in your rank. Um, it's a, and then your one. It's a lot more simple of a uniform. It's a cost prohibitive of a uniform, um, and it's also a uniform that you can buy a dozen of, and then everybody can just okay. kind of put and calves and mantles like waves and all. So, I just couldn't imagine what the point would be of of being a Templar if you didn't just get to wear that that like that that Navy officer thing all the time. In a chapeau, right? Like, like, what's the point? Yeah, like, yeah. I say if you can see my video feeds, I got my chapeau right over my left shoulder, hanging back there. Um, which, by the way, I hate that hat, but that's why we use the uh, 
the Navy variant class A. Uh, but like I've got a full set. I've always had a full set. I've maintained it. And it is cost prohibitive. Uh, the only reason I have such a complete set that's all it was I had to piecemeal it together over five and a half years. Well, I mean, that, that seems like, like the way to do it, though. If you were going to do, like, I think if, if the Blue Lodge had some requirement like that or the Scottish Rite did, like, and you did it over time, so, like, with each degree, like, you know, okay, here, here's your epaulets. You, you get these now. And and then, like, with the next piece, like, you know, we're, we're going to give you your, your sash and buckle, and then and you work your way up, and then, and then you get the hat last because, you know, the hat, the hat is awesome. I guess the sword, sword would be the most awesome. Yeah, and then and then it takes you like several years, and then you just piece it together over time. Uh, but isn't say even with our state constitutions, unless you're an officer, you're not required to have a uniform. Right, but I mean, I imagine if the York Rite is anything like the rest of Freemasonry today, if you're a member, you're an officer. Yeah. Um, just thinking like to my own lodge, like out of all of the guys who come to lodge on a regular basis, you know, there's, we probably have, you know, an average of 25 to 40, just depending on the time of year guys, but only about 15 of those are actually members of our lodge. And of course, 11 or 12 of them, depending on whether or not we have a marshal are all officers. And you throw in the trustees who, who may show up, and yeah, like everyone's an officer. Yeah, and if it's anything like my lodge, the officer masters. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's a thing too, except our past masters never come back. <laughs> uh, so, what, what happened to Nick? He was just here. Yeah, you guys got to quit jumping in and out. Speaking of jumping in and out, did you ever share the link to the IRC? Because there's people asking for it. The link to the, yes. Like twice. I shared it twice. This will be three times. There, shared. All right. (laughs) Um, The other thing was uh, another consistent gripe, and I'm just relaying stuff from Nick because uh, I, again, don't know anything about the York, right? Uh, He asked if there's, what about uh, reducing the number of guys needed to open a commandery? Uh, I know he's kvetched about this so many times. Because I need like 11 or something? Like in a ballpark. Uh, In Minnesota, you need Nine from one commander. Oh God! Or three guys from four separate commanders. All right. So it's it, it gets to be a little arduous. I could see that. So John, we're gonna we're gonna see if you can try uh, like disconnecting and and rejoining real quick and see if that fixes. We're still having a lot of audio issues, and we're about to have even more right. because Nick decided to be pull a Tony and you know stream us in from yeah, I see that. Bieber concert. 
Yeah, let's take a just a quick like a two minute break, uh, John, if you wouldn't mind just reconnecting. Maybe that'll not a problem. Fix, fix the issues we're having. Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't actually stop the broadcast because then oh, everything's going to be out of sequence. So all of you guys on the IRC, now's a good better. time to go. Yeah, just take a pinkle, you know, go, go uh, have do. a have a hot box if you if you need to grab a smoke. And um, did John actually sign off? No. Well, if he did, it's not made it through to the main feed. There's there's an artifact, and that's. Sometimes that's gonna on. be that's gonna be bad when he reconnects. Yeah, well, it'll just be usually it's for Tony. The the old one will drop yes. eventually. This happens Wait, to Tony all the time. Let's talk about what the hell Nick is doing. Oh, oh and then he left. left. Now he dropped. Oh, he just wanted to like show up and say, "Ah, look, I'm backstage with Justin Bieber," and then. All right, he's back. <laughs> all right, welcome back, John. Let's see if that it. Oh, much better. Much so better. Much wow. Opa. <laughs> Fantastic. Appreciate it. Good All stuff. right, Not so, uh, okay, what, what were we uh, talking the, about? The next, oh, I was just still going down Nick's list of interrogatories because that seemed like the best, uh, the best starter here. And, uh, his last one was, was, what do you think should be done to draw more young guys to the York Ride and the Commandery? Which is important, I guess, in any Masonic appendant body. Right. Right. We're all having that problem. Doesn't matter what body it is. I mean, from my experience, anyway. Um, Dean Malay's not having that problem. Oh, Nick's yeah. Not having <laughs> Don't like Nick fool you. He's actually twelve and a member of Dean Malay. He just, you know, tells everybody. Uh, I believe it. Right. Uh, I think, and this will get me shelled. I know it will, uh, but. One of the problems with the York Rite is, and I'm going to be very frank, is the guys that have been past grand whatevers and the people that were movers and shakers at one point need to give it up and get out of our way. And uh, this isn't like a, a new revelation. So anybody that knows me that's watching this isn't suddenly you know, ready to come to my house and burn the witch. It's, uh, we've had a, a significant issue in the York, right? Both in the state and other states, uh, because I communicate with knights from all over the, all over the United States about either past grands who keep their fingers in the pie after they leave, or they try to manipulate from behind the scenes and not an advisory component. I mean, we, I've got several past grand commanders who I look to as, my mentors and my advisors, and they're always brilliant, always helpful, and always great. Uh, but th they understand that it's it's a new batch of guys that are running the ship, and they want to be there to help and not be there to necessarily steer. Uh, if if that mentality is spread through the York right a little more, and if the York right functioned a little more as a coherent body, because we're three we're three uh, separate bodies that work together in unison ish um that would i think i think that would go a long ways it'd be a lot our processes would be a lot smoother people wouldn't get lost in the wash they would feel more involved um i i think and speaking as a, a 
organizational manager and project manager, um, I think if, if young guys are looking at the work right from the outside and it it looks like it's a pipe organ rolling down a hill as opposed to a well-oiled machine, that's going to put off a lot of guys. Yeah, I could, I could see how you get that impression. Like I, um, so as a, a very young Mason, uh, when I was making that decision of which path to go down with my small wad of money that I had to pay dues, um, I looked at the, the local, uh, chapter and then the Scottish Rite, and both of them kind of resembled the, the pipe organ rolling down a hill, but uh, the Scottish Rite resembled a much larger pipe organ that was going to take longer to get to the bottom. So I jumped in that way, and that was I was still really young. So this was before I I had any clue about uh, the the Christendom and the York Rite and so on. Uh, so I, in retrospect, made the right decision, but it actually wasn't because of that. I just. Uh, I looked at the two bodies locally, and at the time, it seemed that the Scottish Rite was much more alive. Uh, I did find out later that had more to do with the shrine than anything else. Because, Funny how that works. Yeah, I, I guess because the Scottish Rite used to be the only path to the shrine, and then the York Rite had its turn for a short time before they just dropped the whole Rite requirement altogether. And if I, if I look at what's happened to both of the rites since the shrine stopped requiring membership in them to join it, I wonder if that's the same thing that would happen to the Blue Lodge if the shrine were to drop that requirement. Are we all oh, just here to serve Arkansas. Isn't that the way they've gone? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. But there's, there's other contributing factors. <laughs> We've discussed Arkansas a lot. Yeah, we, we try and not lot. follow anything Arkansas does yeah. ever. But <laughs> I think the news out of Arkansas has grown stale because I haven't heard anything in a while. I... Well, there's no one left. There's like three oh, yeah. masons in Arkansas. <laughs> well, hey, at least there's the Grand Master. <laughs> yeah, like the one lodge left is the Grand Lodge. They just both meet at the same time. And, and you pointed out a few things uh, regarding the York Rite. Yeah, the, the the pinnacle orders of it do require, they're supposed to require an adherence to Trinitarian Christendom. Um, there's been some variances in there. You know, I, I personally know of, we'll say three knights that aren't or haven't always been or aren't anymore. Um, and they're three of the best knights I know in the state. Uh, so that's we're excluding a uh, a good group of guys. However, being a bit of a traditionalist, I understand why it's set up that way. I get it. And, and, you and are, I would say, oh, go ahead. Oh, you guys. I mean, you guys are missing out on me, right? And and one of the running jokes at my lodge is that I have a better understanding of Christianity than most of the lodges Christians. <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> and. And uh, I was like, well, what, why can't I be in a York Rite? <laughs> or in the commandery, when I say York Rite, sometimes I, I, I do realize the chapter and council are something different. And if nothing else, one day before I die, I, I will end up doing those at least. Um, those, those are at least worth it for the 
continuation of your uh, of the lore of the Blue Lodge. So, I, I, Royal Arch degree is awesome. Um, select Master's fantastic. Um, so yeah, eventually at least do those. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, um... I, I would say one thing that the to kind of close it out in regards to comparing the Scottish Rites organ. Let me rephrase that. In, re in comparing the Scottish <laughs> Rites machine to that of the order uh, to the York Rite. Um, <laughs> you might have had it right the first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, yeah. this is this is a penis measuring contest at this point. Yeah, well, you know. That's why we. Uh, that's why we wear aprons, sir. <laughs> Well, that's why mine's triangle shaped for the extra dangle. Um, just wanted to point that one out. Uh, but the one, the one thing that the the York right and the Scottish right, from an organizational perspective, had was in order to be Scottish right, you you went to a centrally central location. You went to the valley. I mean, in Minnesota, it's the Minneapolis, St. Paul, Duluth, or Brainerd. Um, I think that's the logic perfection. And Rochester. So we have we have our valleys. So you travel to that location. York Rite had the model of we bring it out to you. So there's commanders scattered throughout our state um, that aren't as healthy because they don't have guys that really want to be involved coming from all over into one central location. So that's one thing I definitely would have to give the Scottish Rite is it's I think that's a I think that's a more sustainable long term strategy. Yeah, uh, and so, we also have Art De Hoyos, so that doesn't hurt. There is that, and and Brent Morris, and yeah, and we've got Nick Johnson. Yeah, the Millennial Ooh. Freemason. <laughs> he stole my beating heart. Uh, but you, are, it, you you are not making your case very well, Harlan. <laughs> but and and you mentioned it in the last uh, episode was you guys. Uh, I should say us because I'm also a Scottish Rite, but Albert Pike, Scottish Rite Mason, Mackie, eh, a little each. York Rite, we don't have that. I mean, we do, but not that well known of that established of a of a figure in our in our past history. Yeah, you guys have uh, Jacques de Molay, right? Well, that is true. Um, however, you know, Pike Pike's life expectancy to his were. <laughs> Entirely different. And... That's true. Um, so where where I was going with that is uh, curious if you'd be willing to to reinforce dispelling the myth to to well even some Yorkite members who haven't learned better that that there is in fact no direct lineage between the Order of Knights, the Order of the Poor Fellow Soldiers of the Temple of Solomon, and the Poor Knights of Christ in the Temple of Solomon and us. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's not like a direct lineage. That's a rebuilt yeah. lineage, right? Yeah, from my own, and this is just my opinion, obviously, um, and it's probably a little more well researched. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not a direct descendancy. Take from the Redis manuscript what you will. I, we are a Masonic order that is. Styled after the original Four Nights of Christ. All right, Thank you. Um, and and I wonder if I could extrapolate that to see if you would buy into uh, also helping me knock the nonsense about operative stonemasons guilds in Europe traveling to build cathedrals from place to place, being the roots of 
what became the Grand Lodge in 1717. Because I also don't buy that. That, and again, this is this is actually a spot where I would actually have to defer to <laughs> Nick Johnson, um, because in, in some respects he's a much he's a far better student of Masonic history than I am. However, that being said, of my own opinion, unless I can see, I work my my trade is law enforcement, so unless you have facts and proof, uh, it didn't happen. I don't like speculations. I don't like very weak causal connections. So I would have to say I'm in the exact same ship of, of, you're, you're of top. So you could just like plant some evidence. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't work for Baltimore PD. I work for the fed. I'm, <laughs> I, uh, and my brothers at Baltimore PD, that was a joke. I'm very sorry. You guys are, you guys got a tough road to hoe. Um, no, but I, he knows I, the body cams are on. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> let's let, let's strike that one. <clears throat> I, I work for the, I work for the DoD. We we don't have body cams. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, I would have to be in, in, in accord with your assessment of, like I said, unless I can find a A to B direct connection that's factually supported and and. Uh, Factually based and logically supported, yeah, yeah. I, I don't buy it. So um, that's a, a long-standing debate from back in the day. Uh, I used to have this debate with Jason, who was convinced of some kind of not only a Templary connection between the, the Old Order and the Masonic Order, but also a connection between the Templars and the Blue Lodge. And we, we would always go round after round about it, so... Uh, when Nick told me that that we were going to get a a guy who who likes to use swear words and you talk about him, he's and drinks and is also Irish, I thought, ooh, we can like replay all of this. Yeah, uh, but but I mean, sadly, you didn't get nearly as animated as Jason. So well, see, uh, and if had we disagreed, that'd have been fine. Um, but you know, uh, unfortunately for the zest of the show. We yeah. kind of are on the same side. I, I, I believe there's shoestring connections between Order of the Temple and our current Blue Lodge and and our current Order of the Temple. And by shoestring connections, I mean, you know, uh, somebody had a child and knew a guy who became a member of a lodge, you know, where they could do a, a, a backwards track of lore. But as far as like a direct, dare I say, bloodline connection, hmm. I don't buy it. Ah, I love it. So, uh, Nick, your opinion. Nick, you. It sounds like uh, you've got your, some good your, leadership your, over your there. Mike is not on, Nick. Yeah, we, we still can, can't. We, hear you. We, we Nick, cannot hear we cannot you. hear you talking. Actually, I, I like this Nick better. <laughs> <laughs> New rule we're instituting Google Hangouts and commander meetings. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, um, yeah, so I was, I was interested. How about now? Can you hear me now? Yes. Hey. I can hear you now. Welcome Anything? to the show. Welcome back for like the fourth time. Uh, all right. It's either in or out, Nick. He's, I'm not right. paying to the outside. status in one episode. Okay. I know. Seriously, I'm terrible here. Anything? Like a Masonic feline. I'm in the door. I'm out the door. I'm in the door. I'm out the door. 
Uh, so. oh. your, your audio is gone again, Nick. What what is what is <laughs> happening over there? This is full on Tony. You're, like, you are the worst part. millennial ever. <laughs> this is the part where Tony actually drops in the show and has all of his stuff together. <laughs> I, I, I like to point out here at that this point because I, I got to take another shot at Nick of him being the millennial Freemason and the middle aged Luddite. Yeah, this shit working. Right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should grow some facial hair. I, I feel like he's trying to rebut you, but uh, there's there's nothing. All right. Uh, can you hear me in here? Yeah, now we can. All right. It's going to be terrible because it's not using this thing. Anyway. All right. So there's a book called The Compasses and the Cross. It was written by Stephen Defoe. He's a Canadian. Uh, I think he's a former Mason at this point. Um, but he wrote a very good book. Uh, concerning the origins of the Templar uh, connections within Freemasonry. And it started off with, and, and it's interesting that with this particular legend, we actually know the history starting point. And it was Chevalier Ramsey's Ramsey. Uh, it was an oration that he gave in France, <clears throat> supposedly. Now, the thing is, is this oration, we don't know if it actually existed or it didn't exist. Uh, but what it did is it led to a creation of a myth, a Templar myth within Freemasonry. It was later taken on by Baron von Hunt, who is a German uh, in the Frederick the Great's, um, uh, what would you call it, court, I believe. And it, it was either that or his predecessor. And he created this whole Masonic connection where you know, we were related to the Templars. It was a very romantic concept. And the thing is, is actually this romantic Templar legend exists in both York Rite, Scottish Rite, uh, variants like the Swedish Rite. It's very much built on this uh, uh, strict observance model. So we find that the Knights Templar legend is, you know, it, it it's actually pervades much of what is Freemasonry in the entire world. Hmm. And this is why it's in the a, Scottish right. Uh, our superior <laughs> scholar than I am. This, this all has like French people written all over it. Oh yeah. Well, we like our swords, we like our armor. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's not hard to figure that out. You know, it's like I thought we were just into the whole <laughs> thing because of like phallic imagery. It's the same reason we build obelisks and and smoke cigars. Yes, um, and smoke cigars. <laughs> so yeah, so you know the thing is, I you know I always take the advice of Jason Mitchell, who is a uh, well, he's been on your show, and he actually has this advice for anybody taking, you know, making a decision of do, am I going to be a Scottish Rite Mason? Am I, am I going to be a York Rite Mason? He always says do both. You should just be an American Mason. And the only way you can experience full American masonry is to participate in both the Scottish Rite and the York Rite, so you can see uh, where each branch uh, developed its own concepts uh, surrounding that central legend. So it's the only way you can really experience all Freemasonry in America. I mean, that's fair, but it's kind of a cop-out answer. So, like, I, I had always planned from basically the day I was raised to not join an independent body until after I had served as master, which is going to be up in four months. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. So, 
We have a petition for you if you want. I, to come right, in. exactly. <laughs> I, as soon as I say that, I'm I'm sure there's there's 30 petitions everywhere. You make so, me proud, Jonathan. You make me proud. Let's just say I've only got the time and the money for one. What do I do? Like, you how do I do, how do I pick? Who do I talk to? The shrine. <laughs> you know what you're gonna do. I don't though. Really Harlan's already got your Scottish Rite petition all filled out. He's already paid your fees for you. He's What's, ready for you. I've been doing what Harlan wants all year. I need to make a decision for myself, damn it. What you don't understand is... is uh, You're a sitting I, master. I, I, Why would you now want to start making decisions for yourself? Right. You know that all the past masters make the decisions for you. <laughs> Get on and shut up, son. God damn it. Because <laughs> like, the, the master starts to grow some cojones towards the end of his term, and that's why we get rid of him. He rolls out of the east and right out the door. Yep. Right. Like, that, that realization starts to dawn on you, like, wait a minute, I'm in charge. And that usually happens around the last two months. <laughs> like, I've been doing all this stuff all year that I didn't want to do, and I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Then you got to retrain the new guy. You're just like, oh, gee, what is this idiot? Seriously. Here's, here's the awesome part, though, is the incoming master is Harlan's brother, and I'm going to instill in him all the things that he needs to know to mess with Harlan the most. So I'm really yes. looking forward to next year. It's, it's, I, I have a feeling it's going to be glorious. We've already got some things in the works that Harlan does not know about. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you all updated on that as the, as the time comes. Great. <laughs> hey, at least, he, at least he gave you a caveat. I mean, I suck to get a helmet. So, to, to be fair, Harlan, I'll let you know in time to, you know, not be secretary next year. Just saying. Yeah, as though that's, that's ever been an option. I've been trying to weasel out of this chair since I got in it. In fact, my only recourse now is, is in the green room. I, I had my son, like, sitting on my lap, mashing on the keyboard. I've been grooming him slowly. He he is my exit strategy. <laughs> I've only got uh, about twenty ish years <laughs> left, so don't let me down, son. Don't let me down. <laughs> uh, hmm. Let's be one of those lodges where, like the the lineage of I was almost said my surname, the lineage of of of, of my my family tree will just forever be the secretary in our little town in Pennsylvania. So like 300 so, years from now, it'll just be like a thing that's not even elected. It's just like the son of the last secretary who died. This is our secretary, Harlan the 12th. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the curse upon my family. <laughs> yeah, there's... I mean, I don't have it all bad. Like, I look at, I could be like the registrar or its equivalent in the York, right? So I guess it could be worse. All right. So should I be the other Nick, uh, the, the Nick Harvey, a little bit too, uh, what do you call it? Uh, impertinent, excitable, whatever. But uh, I do have some questions for John since I've got him on the, on the horn. But uh, so I wrote a blog post today or, well, I posted a blog post today concerning the idea of letting Masonic lodges live and die quickly, as in lodges should be able to die quickly 
and lodges should be able to form quickly and that we need to stop expending resources on zombie lodges. What is your opinion on that? You're asking me? Yep. The smart <laughs> guy. <laughs> Buckle up, fucker. Um, I believe... I'm actually... I, I, I'm in complete accord with Nick on this, actually, I would have to say. Uh, it is extraordinarily difficult to start a lodge in our jurisdiction. It's, what, 25 guys, Nick? Correct. To start a lodge? I mean, I know you know that off the top of your head. How's the gap thing doing, by the way? Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> why I wrote the, the blog post. <laughs> right. But I know even closing a lodge down, there's a, there's a process to it, which is arduous, especially if you're looking at, hey, there's only three of us making it to the building, and we have to have seven of us here to vote. I, it, it, there's, it, makes it, it makes it impossible to close a lodge that's dead. I mean, really. So it, it does need to be streamlined. It does need to be simplified. Um, I mean, you're talking to somebody who's twi a twice-past master of a lodge who we almost turned our charter in a couple of years ago. Um, and then other than uh, going through the process again and fighting like hell to keep it alive and active, the taskmaster that wanted to close it also found out that it's not as easy as walking over the Grand Lodge with your charter in your hand, slapping it down on their desk and saying, <laughs> bye. I'm out. <laughs> Deuces, I'm going to go off to the Elks. No, uh, not that simple. So while I... Well, I, I tend to concur about the pain of starting a new lodge or closing down an old one, which in our jurisdiction isn't actually that difficult. It's the opening a new lodge that is just unduly burdened. I also, we also live in an area that is just vast, vast majority populated by, I'm just going to say Baptists under a, a broad broad umbrella like every one of the 600,002 varieties of baptists that exist in this county and there's this this tendency when you watch these these baptist churches of they they're almost like like amoeba where they they grow to a a small point and then split and so you'll have just hundreds of churches in the city and they've all got like three or four members because everybody just wants to have their own church to do their own thing. And anytime there's the least little disagreement over something like half the people just leave and start a new church. And then as a collective, the, the Baptists in town aren't really able to accomplish anything temporal which which i am talking about a church that may not even be their goal right they maybe they aren't interested in having these huge charity relief efforts or whatever but assuming they are like they, they've neutered themselves as as a sect of protestantism from being able to do anything because they're too busy starting new churches and arguing over and we're not talking like spreading out because the area is already saturated they just open new little churches between the old ones. And and I, I wonder about the nature of bickering and Freemasonry. If it were extremely simple to start a new lodge, what's the probability of of my district looking like Baptists? 
with just like 6,000 lodges with two members each. Well, just is, look is, at the a- district right above you. Or let me rephrase that. County right above you with multiple districts. Yeah, yeah but you've got the population up there to kind of support but- that. I mean, well, imagine I how many say- lodges there would be if it wasn't so hard to start a new one. Sure. But, but Grand Lodge is going to put kind of a passive cap on that, aren't they? I don't, I don't mean actively. I mean just in the fact that like you've got to pay them. So, Well, that, that's what they've done is put the cap on it by making it so arduous to create a new lodge that it's basically impossible to do. Doesn't that just defeat the idea of market forces, though, at that point? I mean, don't you kind of want that kind of competitiveness? Because, you know, if you've got the... And, and you know, I was reading a comment uh, from my blog post, you know, somebody else, and they were saying, you know, you'll have these guys that are visiting another lodge, they'll see it dying, and then they'll push their own resources on this lodge to try and help save this particular lodge. And, you know, essentially now they're they're you know, spreading themselves too thin because now their own lodge is starting to lose momentum trying to save this lodge that's already lost momentum. And, you know, it's, it's one of those that now you're you're splitting your, your resources without actually getting any kind of benefit for it. And, you know, for me, it's... I, I think we want to have a market-based concept where good good ideas are rewarded, bad ideas are learned from, and if you can... If you can learn those lessons quickly, you know it grows faster. You know, I'm, it's one of those that I think it's it's creating this this divide between lodges and Grand Lodge, where you know, Grand Lodge sees Lodge in trouble, or Grand Body. I mean, Grand York right Body comes in and says, you know what, what can we do to fix this problem, right? And for them, every problem looks like a nail, right? And they're a hammer, and that's all they do. They look for simple solutions to try and fix you know, a ABC Lodge, right? Without really, you know, noticing what might be going on. So, you know, if your lodge building happens to be in a dying part of town, you know, the, the smart move would be to move, right? But, you know, if you've got these people who are tossing their resources into this lodge, trying to save it, you're going to miss all that. And now you've got one underserved population that's not there, that's 30 minutes away, and then the building closes because there's nothing left. And now the lodge is dead just because it was going to die. So. Yeah. No, I am. So, okay. So, Nick, you're talking about spending resources on these zombie lodges. In, in my experience, a lot of the zombie lodges around here are the ones with the resources, not the people resources, but the money. And in our jurisdiction, like, if that lodge closes, they lose that money. Well, right, and there's there's a perverse incentive of the Grand Lodge to expedite that closure. Not right. that I would ever accuse that of happening, but it, it, it appears as a conflict of interest. Nick, but, are you trying to choke down laughter too at that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Oh, uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I don't have. So I'm in total agreement about making it easy to close the lodge like that. That that's pretty easy already here. I think it could be made simpler. Like let these zombie lodges take the old yeller walk when it's time to do that. But but ours don't want to do that because they don't want to give up the money. Oh yeah, 
Well, and my traditional observance lodge was birthed from one of those lodges that just turned over their lodge and million dollar trust fund and everything else to us. So they didn't have to give it to Grand Lodge. Uh, well, in, in Minnesota, it's a little bit different. So in Minnesota, the encouragement is to merge, right? Merging is is the the oft-pushed solution to this, right? So the, the oftentimes of surrendering your charter is just not as often because they the Grand Lodge doesn't want to deal with, I have this list of brothers and now they're unaffiliated. How do I get them? They want a clean break, right? They want to take all these guys, package them all up, and give them to somebody else. And those resources go to lodge whatever, right? Yep. But at the same time, that creates another perverse incentive because now, you know, if you're lodge X and you need this amount of money, you start looking around saying, hey, you sound like you're closing. Do you, uh, do you want to merge? You know, and essentially what they're saying is, can we have your stuff? Uh-huh. And that's a perverse – I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the classic well, – But you were talking yeah. about letting the Masonic capitalism play out. I mean – Oh, Definitely. That's how capitalism it, plays out, right? You get company absolutely. that's not really got the equipment it needs, and it goes and looks for Butcher Bob who's struggling and says, hey, uh, you But if partner? you don't make it easy to start the next lodge, yes. then all you're doing is you're creating a an antitrust situation where you know the lodge of 600 guys is going to continue to consume more and more lodges just because it's just it's easier that way. And you know, that's the other side of the market based, you know, it's so, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think if you're going to have one where it's easy to open or easy to close, it should also be easy to open. Yes. Uh, but with some filter to prevent us from saturating the landscape with a lodge on every corner that has no one in it. Are you a libertarian? <laughs> I am. But Freemasonry is an institution of voluntary association, whereas, you know, the government is not. (laughs) No, I I am all about, like, letting lodges rise and fall on their own. I guess if it's easier for a defunct lodge to be dissolved, then maybe making it easier to create them is not so bad because the lodges with two members that only exist because they didn't want to have the red rings on the bologna for dinner, um, then they're going to dissolve quickly instead of having to tie up resources in this merger bailout process. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I guess I could buy that. Yeah, you'd, you'd absolutely have to have one with the other. You couldn't do easy to open or easy to close. You'd have to do both. That way, if yeah. you have that lodge that of five old guys that are angry at the young guys that open their lodge and they realize it's going to last three months, it needs to be easy to close it and have them assimilate back into a lodge. I mean, I realize that's a very well, and, extreme and, situation, but I mean, it, it sums it up. You can't have one without the other. It has to be well, and John has some, some experience in forming new Masonic bodies, um, particularly with uh, a chapter that's in the state of Minnesota. And, you know, I won't put him on the spot, but you know, it's one of those that there's there's also a protectionist motive within a lot of these grand bodies that, why are we closing these? Why don't we just take charter and move charter over, you know? And, and you know, what, what what's the problem? With, why would you want to start something new, guys? We've got this one that's struggling. And it's very much a Depression era, you know, thought process, right? We've already got the cans of beans. Why are we looking for more cans of beans? We already got cans of beans. we got to eat these ones. And, 
you sit there and you go, well, yeah, but these are expired, they're nasty, they're disgusting. Why can't I just get the, you know, well, that's cool, you know, and it is. It's a and I don't have any rotten fucking beans in my chapter. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> no, but Nick's right. He's absolutely right. It, it, it's a, it's a strangely holdover mentality from, uh, from depression era tactics. I mean, it's like. My, my, God bless her, my mother-in-law loves to collect knickknacks and loves to collect furniture and she doesn't get rid of, rid of anything at all. So rather than getting a new insert object here that works better or whatever, oh, but I've got five of these in the garage and they're all busted to shit, but I'm going to try to use them anyway. When we formed our chapter and started from scratch, one of the biggest problems we had was we were getting kicked back from uh, the past, some of the past grands and some of the uh, past has-beens regarding, we wanted to, our original chapter in Hastings, Minnesota was chapter number two, so number two in the state. Um, and when we were up and running and firing all six cylinders in a healthy uh, lodge or healthy chapter, we wanted to, under UD, we had a different number. Um, but then once we became a proper chapter, we wanted to become Vermilion chapter number two again. Um, but again, for some reason, that whole retain what you have mentality went in overdrive, and the grand chapter was like, no, number two, we, we have to hang on to that. We can't give that out. And us being a bunch of inquisitive little imps were asking left, right, and center for justification of why, and eventually it boiled down to, well, it has to do with the tax ID number. <laughs> Which was an we, absolute joke. <laughs> right? So we got a song and dance. Even though we were trying to, one, start a new chapter, two, make it viable, three, made it healthy, but then four, wanted the recognition for it. And if, even if you try to do things right and you do things right, uh, you, no good deed goes unpunished, apparently. No. And it is. I mean, it, it's, and I, you know, I see this a lot of times in, in the York Rite, especially. It's very much a capture the flag, right? It's, I, this area needs a Masonic body because there's interest. Grab that body and move it, right? Which is good because then you're you're moving something that already exists. But it's also bad because, well, when you move something, it's essentially like uh, I don't know, removing a part of somebody's body, right? The old members are never going to show up ever, and so now you're essentially starting from scratch, the same as if you had just started a new a new body anyway. And that's you know, and it's one of those that you either have the excitement, right, of starting this new body, you're ready to go. These people are super excited to be here. You know, the, you know, the gear is, you know, top gear, everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, well, no, we've already got this other one. It's already got members. Why don't you want that one? And it's like, well, yeah, but none of them show up. And when you do move it, they're, they're already pissed off at you because essentially they feel like you've stolen something because, well, in some respects you may have. And it, it just creates a, it, it's, it's an even worse scenario, a, a worse situation, because now it's a destructive force instead of a creation force. Yeah. Hold so, on, Harley's he, taking a hit. Your <laughs> new axe to grind. You're off, the, off hating on the youth groups and moving on to <laughs> hating on full grown lodges now. Hold on, I gotta hang up now. She's talking about youth groups. Hold on. <laughs> why, you, why you got so much? You got so much hate, Nick. I, only for the youth groups. <laughs> Wait, is this being recorded? <laughs> from LA when you were a kid. Is that what happened? 
<clears throat> well, you see, I was in the superior youth group, which is called uh, Boy Scouting. And earning ego, it's one of those that you just kind of try to save the system that's better. You know what I mean? You know, it's just one of those things. So. You guys will see. When I get <laughs> I'm going to be a famous Mason. I'm going to be on podcast. Uh, Master Consular, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to shut this whole body down. Okay, so this is this is another thing, and John and I totally see this all the time, is the title chasers, right? And York Rite is oh, God. filled with it, right? So that's the one thing Scottish Rite has as, as an advantage, is there is no title chasing except for hats. And it's only two of them, right? That's it. Those are the titles you're chasing, right? The York Rite, it's a complete cluster of invitational bodies, right? And these guys, you know, they, they want these things. You know, I want to be in, in, you know, I don't know, Knight Masons uh, or whatever, right? And they're only in it because they want to pay more dues. I, that's, that's all I'm convinced they want. They just want to pay more money. That's it. And, you know, I was... <laughs> It came to a head when the Demolay, the whatever, the Minnesota grand whatever of Demolay, uh, conferred the Demolay degree. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, they conferred it on adult Masons. So these guys are all standing. I don't know if John was there. Were you oh, there? No, of course I wasn't there. <laughs> See, I know all about it. I got the email and I went, mm, no. No, exactly. But if you look at the pictures from it, right, these people are just, these guys are so excited to be earning literally nothing. They're earning nothing. They're, they're, they're being given a, a diploma that they paid $100 for, for nothing. <laughs> and, Nick is absolutely right about the title changers in New York, right? And, and God knows... They already know I can't stand them, and they can't stand me. So this isn't anything new and exciting on in within the state. But the the amount of honorary bodies in New York right about drive me to drink more than I drink now, because it as Nick stated. Although caveat being, I just got an invite from Nick to join one of those invite bodies. So thanks, by the way, I owe you, um, jerk. Um, but a lot of it is, hey, yeah, I'm I'm a member of uh, I'm a member of the Royal Order of Scotland. Although, admittedly, those guys are all seem to be pretty cool. But there's like I know a particular guy who's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a member of the York Rite Sovereign College. Oh, okay, that that must mean you're a really good ritualist because that's their whole backbone backbone is to be you know number one in the ritual. And he just kind of gave me a blank stare because I know this guy is worse at ritual than my dog. Uh, but he liked the fact that he could say, well, I'm York Rite Sovereign College. Well, That's, as somebody who's a member of the Sovereign College, I actually asked that question. I said, so what, what would you say you do here, right? And it was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, so according to the website, it's designed to put the top ritualists in the state and get them into the lodges, into the chapters. Nope. Yeah, I'm sure nope. it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, so... It's yet another check I got it right. All right, well, that's fine. Yeah. So I am perplexed. So is this where the whole Knights of St. Andrew thing is headed in the Scottish Rite? Because that's like oh, a becoming, new thing that just popped up like five or six years ago here. And it's like an honorary body, and we've never really had one of those here before. So, so Nick can probably uh, clarify this. 
Um, how long have we had KSA in Minnesota? Do you, do you remember? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. 2001 or 2003 or something like that. But okay, so it died and then it came back. Yeah, so it's new issue, but it's, it's you can petition to join here and you can become a member here. But yes, that's where the KSA is going to end up going. I have a pretty good feeling that it's going to become an honorary invite only type of thing. And then there's going to be other ones, and then like the Scottish Rite's just going to be like what you guys were describing, because that sounds awful. Yes, because what happens is we get an honorary body. Somebody doesn't get invited. Somebody cries under their beer. Somebody says, I'm going to take my blocks and go home. Or better yet, I'm going to start my own honorary body, and you're not going to be invited. So then we have... Asshole A and asshole B in two separate competing bodies who don't like each other who are then causing all sorts of discord within the right. Yep. Yep. And, and most of the honorary bodies in the York right are less than 60 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they get brought in. And, and the thing is, you know, they come in Masonic Week, which is out in D.C. And they get all excited and they celebrate this new body that they're bringing over. And then somehow it finds its way to whatever state, like Minnesota. And it, it's exactly as John described. It's it's somebody who said, you know what, this is <laughs> bullshit. I, I'm sick of this. This is bullshit. I, I, want, I deserve this Masonic title. And then... Yep. Uh, I need to be more special than you are, yeah. even though we're on the level. And, and, and the ironic part about this whole thing is that in England, the the way that they keep guys out is because you have to write a check to this and that, but they're all open. So in America, which is, you know, this kind of, this idea of, you know, everybody's on the level, equality, whatever, and we proliferate these honorary bodies that you have to be invited in and be special. However, in England, it's, hey, so you want to join the Scarlet Cord? All right, that'll be a check. You want to join Mark Master Masons? That's a check. You want to go uh, join Royal Ark Mariners? That's a check, you know, and that's it. Yep. I don't care as long as you can sign your name on a check. That's it. And and here's yeah. here's dude, give me my perfect elu. I mean, it's it, it's it, it's a self cleaning problem over there. But here, it's everybody wants to be part. They're not satisfied being a mason and being being a member of that sublime degree. They must have a separate body that must be their own important little group of their people that they think they're special. And this is one of the reasons why the Grand Encampment. <laughs> I'm sure I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a phone call about this one. This one why the more reasons of the Grand Encampment in the past ten years has driven me nuts because of the creation of the rectified Scottish Rite or the rectum Scottish Rite, depending on how you look at it. Um, because it is a well, you know. When it's a body made of assholes, it's probably a rectum. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes my triple cross in the future. Hey, okay. Um, but the rectified Scottish Rite was basically created or imported, uh, uh, activated, however you want to put it, by a sitting grand. Uh, was he, I can't remember if he was sitting or if he was a past grandmaster of the Grand Encampment. To make his own really high up special group of guys that are just his that belong to this body that are it's a it's basically an invitational body of an invitational body because being a grandmaster wasn't special enough for him. 
that is what happens when this whole mentality of making the KSA an invite-only body just runs berserk. And it's just bizarre that they would bring it into the Scottish Rite when they literally already have two of those honors in existence now. It, it, it just throws my mind. So, it, it, I don't even understand. So the KSA, at least here, is is not invite-only. What I'm hearing is yet. Yet. And, um. Like in our valley, it's fantastic. Like they've taken up doing a lot of the stuff that the bodies didn't have the time or resources or just desire to handle. Um, and so, for instance, like the the Rose Croy funerals are being spearheaded by by the KSA here. Um, uh, a lot of uh, oh the uh, the thirty second degree. Uh, that's always terribly difficult to find the right cast of folks to do uh, because nobody nobody wants to be drafted. If you've been through the Scottish right, you'll know where I'm going with that. <laughs> it's a hard it's in the York right too. <laughs> it's a hard degree to fill, um, and so the the knights, at least in our valley, have taken that degree over. And well, not the whole degree, right? So the consistory still does the main parts. But all of the all of the bazillion bodies you need to pull that degree off are now filled filled with the knights, and it's made reunions a lot smoother. Uh, they did that really cool uh, cigar and whiskey thing, uh, that fundraiser they were doing here. So it's like I'm seeing them doing all, all of this awesome stuff, but I'm also seeing when I look around the uh, the the dining room when I go to meetings of the right. And I see those those weird hats that they wear, and they all have a different color, like fur button on the top. And now it's not just the typical, you know, black, red, and white, uh, like the pillbox hats. Now there's like a whole rainbow of colors. And then last time I thought I saw a guy that had two of them. And so I'm, <laughs> I always get scared when I see this sort of thing. Because I think of that Dr. Seuss book about the whatever's with the stars on their belly. And it's, it's like that. Like this book I read to my daughter. I'm like, huh, I just described Freemasonry to her. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, with the KSA, you know, and I'm not a member of the KSA, and I probably will never be a member of the KSA just because of time constraints. The guys that I've met are all fantastic. But I think from my conversations with members in other orients, not even other valleys, other orients out, out of my state, um, is people join the KSA to try to change it into an invite-only body because they are either angry they haven't been given a red hat or they know they'll never get one and they want to feel special. The KSA is there to support the valley and support, you know, do the facility work and fill in on degree work, like you said, on the 32nd and do that. It's, it's just some additional stuff. It shouldn't be another invitational body. So I know there is a, there is a degree requirement for it here. I know that the 33rds are out, so you can't be in the body unless you're a 32nd degree. I think that's the same with us. But yeah, what about... What about the KCCH? Are they are they out too? They're out too. It's black oh, hat only. Well, this is a self-serving thing for me. Then <laughs> I don't have to worry about not being part of the Knights. 
Never, oh, never, hurry never. up and join. You got time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. So, like, our valley goes dark in August. So uh, that leaves September, and then Grand Lodge happens, and then and then the whole investiture for for the KCCH happens. So by the time uh, my petition got voted on, it'd be too late. Man, you guys are slackers. Minneapolis Valley has already done three degrees. Boy, oh boy, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we always we've always been dark in August, and I don't know exactly why. I've never thought to ask. It's just been that way since I joined the ride here. Mm-hmm. It's just just the way they've always done it. Just the thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no meetings of the right in August. I don't yeah. know why. Well, and you know, you know, I should say, you know, the interesting feature of America, and I think I talked about this last time when I was on uh, for the other time I was on. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the one exact same things every time you're on the show. Every time. It's because I, I'm a one-trick pony. I don't know why you keep having me on, because I don't know anything else. Because so. you bring these fantastic guests. Because you're so it's true. This, this is why Nick fetched me on you poor bastards, is because, you know, he wanted another <laughs> another tune to be played, and now you guys are stuck with me. It's all about that. Anyway. It has so a long knows. history of raging Irishmen. It is, a, <laughs> it is a tradition that we've always done here. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm willing to fight you for it. <laughs> right, right after I sip my whiskey. Uh-huh. But, you know, the thing is, is that the interesting feature of American Freemasonry is that it's, it's always been focused on a leadership model. Right? So if you look in a lot of the other systems, including uh, the Scottish Rite variants in France or Germany or Spain, or the Swedish right in the Scandinavian countries, it's the degrees that matter, right? And so it's it's the progression into the degrees. In American Freemasonry, the leadership within the bodies. So the highest honor that could be bestowed upon you by a lodge is the title of Worshipful Master for a year. It's the highest that they can bestow upon you. The highest honor that the Grand Lodge can can um, uh, give you is the title of Grandmaster, right? And that's the highest that the lodges in concert can do. And so American Freemasonry has always been a leadership driven body. So bringing back, you know, this article that I wrote, market, this market-based Freemasonry idea, is that we need more opportunities to leadership within lodges because that's what men are looking for. So the reason why KSA exists now is because men are looking for leadership opportunities in these bodies. The reason why the York Rite is so popular for a lot of guys is because they're looking for leadership opportunities, right? They're looking for an ability to uh, learn, grow, and then teach, you know, and that's the, the the one factor in American Freemasonry that makes it unique in the entire in the entire cosmos. Well, that in English Freemasonry, you know, ours and theirs looks very similar. It's a leadership model. Now, England has it figured out that for them, starting a lodge is fairly easy. Closing a lodge is also fairly easy. And so, you know, for them, it's all about, you know, gaining a title, right? And sometimes, you know, it gets a little ridiculous, grand ranks, you know, where they'll essentially sell their own mother to get you know, this, this thing that doesn't mean anything, but, that's but at the same time, part of their culture yeah. in every exactly. other respect, not just Freemasonry. So yeah, I get yeah. it. But you know, for us and them, 
the biggest feature is leadership driven, right? It's learning, growing, and then teaching. And that's, that's the three steps that American Freemasonry and English Freemasonry, Irish Freemasonry, Scottish Freemasonry are pushing towards. And that's completely different from the degree based, you know, where you're trying to get X, Y, and Z. And I, I guess trying to, you know, this is always where I screw up is trying to tie this all together. But, you know, I think the, the biggest thing that we need to do is find a way to ensure that Freemasons that want to be leaders have the opportunities to do that, you know, in, in a better fashion than what we have now. I, I would follow up on Nick's point, and uh, I would go as far to say as we need to give them the opportunities, but we also absolutely have to figure out how to instill and teach and view in them the spirit and the meaning of being a servant leader. Um, because in this great pursuit of, I want to be a leader of this body, I want to be a leader of this body, I want to be a leader of this body. At, at some point, you just going through the chairs as rapidly as possible to get titles. But and thankfully, like in, in my position with Grand Commandery, I've got uh, a couple of gents that are coming in line right behind me um, that are very much of the same mindset as I am of make the decision to better the institution, forget about, you know, what your personal legacy is going to be, receive it, and then pass it off in better shape than what you, what you received it in. And damn the ramparts, do whatever you have to to make sure that takes place. So that, that model of servant leadership, I think, needs to be instilled even at the most basic level and taught throughout uh, a young Mason's progression through the chairs, through the offices, from local constituent lodge slash chapter slash commandery to grand to national level. Absolutely. Right. Well, so um, for a, a show that got off to such an awkward start because I didn't know how to begin probing the topic of the York Rite um, with my Scottish Rite organ, I, <laughs> I I think I think this is uh this has turned out really well. I've I've had a uh, I've had a good time. I've done a lot less talking than I'm used to, which uh, the most difficult part for me in, in Blue Lodge ritual is silent craft. So, um, <laughs> does anybody anybody have, uh, since Nick's not here, who is who I was expecting to bring this up, other Nick, uh, anybody got any other lingering questions for, for Sir Hessel or, uh, well, or for Nick, our buddy, while he's here? I mean, you guys on IRCs too. Type quickly. Type quickly. Is there any pot shots you'd like to take at each other before we close now? Is oh, yes. Time. Please do that. I'm actually surprised you didn't bring up the more finite point about uh, the Trinitarian requirement for Templary. I figured that we would be uh, discussing that for a little bit. Well, we did, and then we dispensed with it because, uh, I don't know, it is what it is. Um, well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to grow up and I'm going to start my own York right. And 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 you guys aren't gonna be invited. And Funny you mentioned that. There actually was there was actually a 
in the 1990s, there was a body called the Order of Judas Maccabees, right? Yes, I am well familiar with the Maccabees. Yes, and so, you know, you have an opportunity right there. You want a title, you can have yourself the title. Well, but I'd have to get it from somewhere, and... Uh... Not this clandestination just pull that stuff out of their ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say that you found the charter. You you dug it up. You found it, or or you know what Baron von Hood did with the strict observance. He said a, a magical group of Elus gave me this thing. They let me. How Joseph Smith of you? Exactly. Yes. You know? So so while I was while I was visiting Israel, I I just happened to to find these manuscripts with the seal of the Grand Lodge of England on them, and and uh, they were kept secret because you know. Hebrew persecution. Secret yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can make up this whole this whole thing and then have my own little body. They were, they were, the secret they were, elect. They, they it was a council. The yeah. They handed it to you. You can't say their names. I mean, that's literally where the Templar legend came from, was that uh, this Von Hoot said, I talked to these guys, they let me into their secret club, and now I'm going to let you into my secret club. No one knows who these guys are. Do they exist? They don't exist. Trust me, they don't exist. And so that's how he did it, you know. He was like, "Hey, this is. I want my friends in. I love. I love night stuff because swords and shit. So boom, you know. And that's exactly it, you know. And look at it now. Bring it to Masonic Week. You're golden. Let me tell you. <laughs> we do have a question from Westgate Guardian on the IRC. Since you and both uh, both rights, what's the biggest pro to joining the York right versus the Scottish right? Okay, I can, because I'm pretty sure Nikki's still not a Scotty. Okay, so as somebody who's gone through now, admittedly, I did the one day, I did the five obligatories. I have not seen every single degree of the Scottish Rite. That said, there is nothing more moving, and I, I've yet to even find the thirty-third who's done both. That'll argue the point with me. I've never seen a, a degree or order more moving and more memorable than that of the Order of the Temple. I think that alone, to uh, to take part in that as both as a candidate and as a, a member of a, a commandery, is worth every ounce of of gold and penance you can offer for it. Sure. Um, I really enjoy what I've learned in the Scottish Rite. It is very much the College of Masonry. I, I mean, even in the limited time I've been there, limited time I've been able to show up, my limited degrees I've had there, you learn some fantastic lessons. Um, but I believe that the York Rite does a better job of building on craft masonry from the chapter and council standpoint. You learn far more about how the temple developed, about what happened before, about what happened after, um, the diaspora, how it, how it fits in the Masonic narrative. Um, and I just, I, I'm obviously a huge commander guy. I'm, I'm heavy in commander, grand commander. So I, mean, I, I lean York right, but I, I have a hard time with the either or question. It's like asking me which long I'd rather keep. I, just, <laughs> I, I like them both. I like to have them both. Um, and I mean, it's it, they're both fantastic. I I would say do the shrine too, just because good entertaining, good entertainment, and it's, I like drinking but not everybody has that prerogative <laughs> that is well, the you know, reason to join an opinion of body right there 
Well, and you know, if you look at Shrine's hat, you can just go like this, flip it over, put your ice in it, you're good to go. I mean, it's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. But, you know, I, I absolutely echo uh, what uh, John has said in that the Order of the Temple is the crown jewel of Freemasonry. I've heard this from so many people that, oh, God, there it is. Oh, man. <laughs> Have I told you I'm at a pre-petition phase? Yeah, I, I, I heard that story. Um, at least you had a chance to petition. I had Sean Gardner, who is a friend, a mutual acquaintance of ours, who carries a lot of water in Minnesota, who's a great guy. He basically said, hey, come on over in this room for a second. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so that was, I didn't get pre-petitioned. I got pre-lubricated. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, carry on, sir. Yeah, but, you know, the, the, the Order of the Temple is an amazing experience, but I would also argue that the one the one advantage that Scottish Rite has over York Rite is that it's a complete system, right? So you, you plunk your money down, and you're going to go through from 4 to 32. And you're going to be able to experience it that way, right? Uh, and in some places, you'll be able to experience all of them, like in Minnesota. But the, the advantage that York Rite has is because it's a localized system you are not in most states. Some states are a unified system, but in most states, you can start a chapter and then wait. Then you can join council and wait, join commandery and wait. It, it's a very on-your-own pacing, depending on if you want to do it that way. So for me, I joined chapter. took me a year, and then I took, joined cryptic council. Then I waited and then about a year and a half, I joined Commandery because I was actually having to, and on my blog I have this, where I was trying to trying to understand if I could accept the concept of a Christian Christian order within Masonry, you know, this idea of a restrictive body. And so I had to come to terms to that, uh, with that, uh, in my own mind. But I was allowed to do that. Now, if, if York Rite were functioning like Scottish Rite, you don't have time to think about that, right? You're, you're signing the dotted line and you're going through the whole thing. And so, and, you know, because of that also, it can be cheaper. So I, I honestly believe that all American Freemasons should complete the web American style of Freemasonry have to see the chapter degree. They have to see all seven degrees to truly understand what American web Freemasonry is. Beyond that, cryptic council, then you're starting to get into what the cross vision of the right of perfection was for American Freemasonry. And so, you know, you can build upon that knowledge in a slow progression. So each has its advantages. You know, if you're looking for being able to start your education now, plus the Scottish Rite has an advantage of having a centrally organized system in York Rite, and John can attest to this, it's very disorganized. It's It's... It's, you know, you've got, you've got a, a federal level, state level, district level, local level. You know, it's complicated. Scottish Rite, things emanate from D.C. or from Boston to the rest of the system. So that's an advantage that it has. So each of the systems have an advantage and a disadvantage. But, you know, if you're just dipping your toe into appendant bodies, I would definitely start with chapter just because then you can decide if you really want to continue on, if you want to expend more money on it or not. You don't have to. 
You know, and that's the nice thing. You can stay in Blue Lodge if you want to. Um, but if you're dipping your toe into appended bodies, you know, Chapter is a nice introductory course into it. And one of the things in, in the com Thank you. one of the things in the compare and contrast of that as well would be the the Scottish right is a it's a dictatorship. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a benevolent dictatorship. It's a very benevolent dictatorship. And I, I've heard this quote directly from our SGIG himself. It's a benevolent dictatorship, but it's a dictatorship. Which is good and bad, obviously. The York right is a democracy. And if you take any time watching any sort of news that comes out of D.C., you can understand how problematic that can possibly be as well. Um, yes. Uh, take that in regard with which side you're going to go yes. on. The, the Scottish right is more closely modeled after the organization of, as much as I hate to say it, the Catholic Church. The Church. <laughs> uh, yes finally somebody else to admit to it yes um in that yeah our our leaders are appointed not elected um usually by their predecessor and they serve for life are, are they called so, archbishops is that uh what they're uh, so in Scottish right speak yeah you got to run it through google translate from uh from latin to scottish right but uh, yeah, that's basically how it works, right? You, you, yeah, but don't, isn't there? A, wait, no. Now, a quick Scottish right question is: Isn't there a mandatory retirement age for SGIGs for the age of eighty? I don't think so. Yeah, there I'm is. Almost yeah, I'm almost positive. Yeah, which ironically, which which strangely enough is also the re mandatory retirement age for Cardinal Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard Just that. saying. But yes, yes, it's true. Uh, I just looked at the hierarchy. I didn't even think about the, the rules. But uh, also, so there's, <laughs> as I understand, investitures of special orders to serve in those roles, just like there are special yeah. orders of priesthood that only the whatever order or whatever level of the priesthood you're going into receives that order. Uh, or yeah, yeah, would be a better word. You're absolutely uh, right. And as a full disclaimer, I'm an Irish Catholic who almost became a priest. So yes, you are absolutely on spot, yeah. spot on. <laughs> so I'm uh, the orders. I, I do get uh, I do get some shtick at Lodge about like why do I know so much about Christendom and sometimes so little about the finer points of Judaism. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to. Um, sometimes I can't answer like the silliest questions of my own faith, but I can go into like the minutia of other people's. It's <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe it's better that way because maybe if I dug as deeply into my own as I dig into everyone else's, I would just like disengage altogether. So I am so, the Irish Catholic version of you. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like some things you just gotta you just gotta accept and move on. Like, right, don't, yeah. don't dig too deep here. Just, just, just go on. Yeah, because I've read, I've read deeply into it and went, ah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, great. I, I guess the, the last thing we had from IRC was uh, 57 Plymouth asking if, if you think the after lodge method can save dying chapters and councils. Um, and if you're not familiar with the after lodge method, which was something we've we've pushed through the entirety of the show, 
that's why it's called After Lodge, uh, is we we started trying to essentially evangelize um, our method of Masonic success that that saved our lodge from merging with someone else and built it into well, what's now like the star lodge of, of the area, if not the state. Um, and it's We're basically the, the method the is state, when, anyway. when lodge is over, then really lodge is just getting started. So when the gavel drops, you don't make a mad dash for your car and peel out of the parking lot as fast as you can, which is what happens at most lodges. Instead, you come out, you brew another pot of coffee, you pull out some ice cream or whatever you happen to have, uh, the box of cigars, etc., and and you sit around to the wee hours of the night, uh, well, bullshitting and bonding with your brothers. Uh, and that simple simple premise blossomed into enormous success for our lodge uh, from a lodge that was just falling apart and dying. And we started doing that and the results were almost immediate. Like within, within, within the year, it was a complete turnaround and within 10 years, it's, you know, just all the way back to the heydays of, of our lodge's greatest days and then some. Uh, and so we started promoting this, other lodges, people listen to this podcast and they, they give this a spin at their lodge and, and we, we've heard nothing but good things about just this one point that we promote. And, and what we do on the podcast is kind of show you how to do it. Like what we think you should do is what we've just been doing for the past hour and a half. Um, does that method, would you think that method would be effective to save dying chapters or councils? Uh, like, hey, it's not just a club. Like, you know, these are your friends. Don't just do the business and leave. Hang out. Bond. Drink. You, uh, you go first, Counselor. Sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Right <laughs> but no, I... I, I... I think it would work a little bit. I think the one thing that's nice about the York Red is that you don't own the building. So you don't have to talk about the building, which is freaking sweet. So you can actually do a lot of stuff inside the body that you might not be able to do in an after setting. But I'm also a, a, a crappy Mason in that I rarely ever stay late. Uh, which, yeah, I know. I know I've already shamed everyone here. I just want to walk away. Even though actually John and I have sat in the parking lot of his lodge building for a ridiculously long amount of time, mostly chasing off people that weren't supposed to be parking there. But uh, <laughs> don't... <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> but no, and and you're right though. I think masonry has to have a three leg. I've called it the three legged stool of Freemasonry. So it needs the education ritual portion of it. It needs the relief portion of it and it needs the fellowship portion of it. And if you don't have all three of those in any proper order, the whole thing's going to fall apart. So you need all three of those legs to actually make masonry work and work well. And you can see it with a lot of lodges that are missing one of those three. Um, it, it just falls apart. They don't really know what their purpose is, their purpose list at that point. 
And so I think the after lodge model probably would work very well in a uh, York right setting because the one nice thing about York right is that it functions very similarly to a lodge in that it's meeting locally. It's usually a smaller portion of brothers. So you all get to know each other a lot, um, a lot more um, meaningfully, you know, than something like a, you know, an area group that's meeting, you know, once in a while. So I think it would work particularly well in a York right setting just because it is a local body. It's, it's lodge continued. I would, I would absolutely have to agree with Nick. Um, and I've done the, and I didn't realize it, I did the After Lodge podcast uh, program or the contract in my Blue Lodge, and it, it, it worked out. And I'm, I'm kind of in my Blue Lodge. And from my original commandery down in, in the giant city of Owatonna, Minnesota, which makes Farmington... Um, that uh, we would hang out after our commander meetings. Well, we, we ran joint council to after commander meetings. And we did more effective work hanging out on the couches on, on the bottom building, squealing beers and, you know, trying to talk smart for two and a half hours after every meeting. And we get far more done there than we would in the actual meeting. Absolutely. Um, and because well, it's, it's, you're not... You don't have the construction of the Ross rules of order. You don't have the construction of the You don't have the construction of the move a lot through. I mean, I, I command her and tell him to go blow it out of his backside. And it was fine. I mean, granted, I would probably do that in Commander 2, but... Oh. Uh, <laughs> that sucks. Well, I kind of saw that coming. It was, it was, it was like watching the the cart go off the hill as his connection continued to deteriorate. You're like, wait for it, wait for it, and or there like he goes. Organ falling down a hill <laughs> as it's falling apart. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, thanks for coming on, Sir John. Although I'm sure he'll yes attempt to come back. Harlan, you want to go ahead and take us out there? Uh, I do. Nick, did you have a uh... Have anything left? No, not really. I think uh, I think this was a good episode. Well, a few hiccups, for... Google's fault. Oh uh, well, yeah, that happens with the with the internet method. But thanks for introducing us to to Sir Hessel. I think I think he may be a better, more regular addition to the show. He's got the uh, the right kind of pizzazz, the chops. He uh, does. He's yeah. he's he's a firebrand, and I love him. So he's I, great. Do enjoy unapologetic, opinionated Masons when they're also sufficiently well informed to justify their opinionatedness, which you know, not all of us are. That's kind of like what this show lives for. So thank yes. you for introducing uh, him to us, Nick, and thanks, of course, as always, for coming on. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, hey, you want uh, you want other Nick's job? I know you're not like podcasting anymore, but he ditched us for Justin Bieber, and I'm pretty butthurt about it. <laughs> no way, man! I'm I'm a free agent now. I'm just Harlan. Nobody wants that job. It took us three years just to get Nick to take it. Hmm. Yeah. No. All well, right. All right, Warshful. I guess yeah. I'm uh I'm closing this out. Oh, 
Um, next week we can't record on Tuesday night because the big uh, the big shindig down in the middle of nowhere uh, is happening with the with the silly the silly outfits that and the the bologna and egg sandwiches and all that. Oh, kind of stuff. that one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that'll be Tuesday night, and I will be down there uh, blending in with the Pennsylvania Hill folk. So um, I hope that uh, some of you guys will be there. And we can shoot to do this on Monday or Wednesday. We'll have to figure that out. So uh, I really wish I could send pictures from this event because they are quite priceless. But as soon as I do that, I mean, we may as well do the grand official unveiling of our Pennsylvania County because as if it's really a big secret anymore. We're the only place on Earth that that does this particular event. Uh, anyway. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 176 of the After Lodge podcast. You can find the show notes for this or any previously published episode at www.afterlodge.com. You can find us on Facebook and not Twitter at After Lodge. Shoot us an email at afterlodge at gmail.com. Hang out with us on IRC at irc.snoonet.org, pound sign Freemasonry, where you can find the link to the live stream on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever it is we do the show. Uh, Nick who ditched us tonight, uh, usually announces that ahead of time on Facebook and IRC. So uh, if you want the link, just ask around. Somebody will get you the heads up and you can interact with us and banter and make fun of our guests while we're live on the air. Uh, we are also listed on the Apple iTunes store and Google Play and Potter, Stitcher, uh, whatever other podcast directories are out there. There's a ton of them. So check us out out there. Maybe leave us some feedback. Tell your friends about us. Uh, we're continuing to spread the After Lodge method of Lodge success and convince the world that Harlan is right. So uh, until next week, brothers, we will see you on the other side. Later. Later. I see my redhead mess bed, tear shed, queen be squeeze. Spouse knocks me on my knees. It didn't hurt, flirt, blood, squirt, stuff, shirt like me on a tree. After I count down three rounds in hell, I'll be in good company. Me on.